Welcome back to Jokerman Podcast. Here we are again. Uh, I'm Evan. I'm Ian. <laughs> a podcast that is about all kinds of rock music. Uh, this one is a, sort of a sub-strain of uh, a parallel thing we've done kind of really occasionally over the past, what, year? Yeah, this is the, you know, we, we did the first one a year ago, and uh, here we are checking in again a year later, one, uh, one more record down the line to uh, once again pay tribute to Gone But Not Forgotten, uh, Chet J.R. White. It's, yes, uh, this is uh, Girls. Girls. It's the second of three Girls records broken Dreams Club. Yeah, this is, um, I think of it as an album, but it's, I guess, an EP. You know, I don't know. I don't think that, uh, technically, yes. Uh, you know, I think if you had to sort it, uh, that would be the way that it appears. Uh, but as, as they make very clear on the third and final record, Fathers and Holy Ghost, uh, the year after, that is record three. An album was record one, uh, which makes this record, record two. two. Yeah, uh, I feel like you're kind of being like, like a Scrooge if you say, like, this is an EP, because it's, it's... An album. It's much more than any, you know, it's, it's, yeah. I think it's very easy to, to think about uh, records as you've got the LP and that's 10 songs and you got the EP and that's like four songs and like, that's, that's what it is. And Broken Dreams Club lives somewhere in between there. It's, it's six songs uh, and it's, and they're long songs and there's, there's a lot going on here. Um, you know, it's a 30 minute record, uh, Nashville Skyline, I think we would all agree is an LP, right? Long player. That's 29 minutes. More songs, but takes up less time. So, you know, I, I think at a certain point it becomes reductive to try to sort it into one or the other category. For my money, Broken Dreams Club is right up there with album and Fathers and Holy Ghost. Totally equal equivalent in terms of just like status in the girls' discography. It means just as much as either of those records. Might mean more, you know, uh, to me on a given day. Um, but certainly just as significant, just as emotionally resonant, just as brilliant an achievement as anything else they ever did. I agree. I think that it's uh, as good as the others, which is to say some of the best uh, and, and best aging rock music of the uh, 2010s Timeless. and and early 2000s. Um, I guess we could just talk a little bit about girls if you don't know them. I mean, sometimes I'm shocked, but people don't know them who I think ought to, and... Are there people that don't know them that ought to? I think there are some people that don't know them that ought to. I guess, to. I mean, it was over a decade ago at this point. It feels... Yeah. <laughs> it feels like hey, yesterday. 19, that's, that's, bro that's broken that's dreams. Oh, man. <laughs> Woof. Uh, I can see uh, my life flashing before my fucking eyes. But, uh, I, I really do mean it that it's aged, I think, the most gracefully, uh, most gracefully compared to a lot of the other stuff that is thought of as like the, the high watermarks of, of indie rock music. Of course. And I don't really think of it as like indie rock Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, you know, almost doing it a disservice there. Obviously, it fits into that strain of whatever was happening that Pitchfork was writing about, you know, from 2008 to 2012, really, um, 2011 even. But it, um, I mean, it, it, yeah, it has aged so much better than virtually anything else that came out at that time. And I think even from the beginning, it, it just, it meant more like they were, they were doing something else. This was, this was a bigger 
uh, a deeper, more textured, more wily, just realer fucking thing. Well, realer, just like more, I think it has more things attached, attaching it to the real world rather than like kids who are making a band and then the band is like a sort of uh, dreamscape play opera like arcade fire or like the decemberists or any any of those groups to, to that... go back to our last k19 uh, <laughs> reference yay sayer this is uh sure this is a, I mean, this is a, just a different different ball game than that kind of shit not to denigrate any of those uh groups or even like stuff like i don't know uh wolf parade there's like so many bands that are i still, feel like wolf parades know, from thought... like a different era yeah that was like 2005-ish I mean, it's all kind of, they were still very much active around here. I remember people loving that band. I mean, just around this time, I think that what is different, though, I mean, not saying those bands are bad, but that Girls seems like, seems like two, two people who are making songs that are in some way functional in, in the sense that they, the same way that country music is, like classic country music. They're songs that serve a purpose to address certain kinds of uh, dissatisfaction or longing, and they exist to be a cathartic release for that without being so emo. Like you know, it's not. It doesn't go that far. It just it it kind of with a light touch touches on some very heavy things, yeah. and it feels good to hear that. And they're not making a triple album rock opera with like synths and uh music visual mu- uh visual album like tie in right. or whatever very un unpretentious very unselfconscious uh you know both in terms of like you know their willingness chris's willingness to Put it all out there for better or for, you know, just take it or fucking leave it as the audience. You know, you can you can accept this man yeah. uh, for who he is or you can you can hit the road, Jack. Um, uh, self, it's unselfconscious in that way. And also in the way that, you know, it, it it even at the time, it didn't seek to like sort itself into any subgenre or or try to, uh, you know, kind of uh, hitch on the, the coattails of any sound or style that was on vogue at the moment right it just it sounded this way because it had to it, it it felt this way because it had to it just came out of them because it had to and it just so happened to you know be be lightning in a bottle right like right place right time this this hit like a, a, a you know a, a, an act of god almost and just you know by this time broken dreams club 2010 this is a year after album hit. They were, you know, they were not huge would be the wrong way to describe it, but they were like, they were doing it. Like it was happening. They were it as far they as were, the, the zeitgeist. Of exactly. The yeah. And they were on an, on an upward trajectory and the sky seemed like the fucking limit. And, you know, obviously we know the story and, and it, uh, there ended up being a limit that they hit much sooner. But, uh, this is really kind of like, like uh, the moment. Nobody knew the that. It could, yeah. It could have been like, you know, uh, 
it could have just kept going a, a pace for a, a, however long, like another album every year. Like for all it felt, knew, it, it, seemed- it fucking felt like that, you know, it, 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 it like clockwork there. Those, those, I guess really it was 24 months. It was album in, in fall, tw- in fall 2009, broken dreams club, fall 2010, father, son, Holy Ghost, fall 2011. It just seemed like that was going to happen forever. And, uh, you know, Obviously, it didn't. I was think I was thinking about that a little bit earlier, just you know, listening to the record and thinking about you know, kind of the way to approach it and talk about it. And I feel like we have we have two very different <laughs> kinds of uh, kinds of acts that we're interested in here on on Jokerman uh, podcast. Uh, one, one, Bob Dylan, Lou Reed, John Cale, these people who like really do operate like clockwork and just keep doing it and plugging away again and again and again and just like trudging at times through some of the most difficult artistic territory they possibly can and emerging ultimately on the other side victorious van morrison obviously uh, you know fits into that kind of schema as well and then we have like the complete opposite kind of shit and and it's girls and i I feel like like jews and david berman uh kind of fit into this and and even like miracles that they even that these things exactly it's like it's just like a a, like a very brief and and jews maybe don't fall into that super well because you know berman was recording for 15 years or something and then came back with purple mountains 15 years after that um i also feel a little bit like this with with scott walker just in like the later day uh material where he just kind of like came back way after the fact with a totally different kind of approach um like these miracles, you know, these, these acts of God almost that like couldn't sustain themselves for the same length of time that the Bobs and the Lou's and the Vans do, um, but reached those heights, you know, there isn't as much of it, but it is, what there is of it is just as fucking good. And maybe even more, uh, legendary to use that word, Mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. because there's, there is a legendary quality to certain groups that television fits into this. Yeah. I mean, the 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 thing of a band that exists as much because of luck as as their own desire to do it and maybe even more than anybody even in the group <laughs> just like these there there's a type of group like early velvet underground yeah velvet like underground the, exactly is the velvet is underground girls. themselves that's like, the story it's not it's not even like everybody in the group wants to be there in the same way at the same time <laughs> but it's like a to- so that's why it's kind of unbelievable that it did happen and and happened for so long i mean with such intensity like that that is the type of thing we're talking about here it was very much like one one record per year and just each one like iterating and just blasting through the ceiling from where they had last left left off and then just it was over done like that is the same story and then obviously lou and john go on to pursue the complete opposite in their solo careers but that's very much part of it but the Velvet Underground is a good way, I think, to understand what is up with girls, the, the group, because musically, I think that there's a lot of things you could say they have in common, especially later Velvet Underground, or I mean, like the self-titled record. Yeah, I think third and record that, and the lost, you know, most of what appears on the VU compilation. Yeah, what would have been the fourth. There is like, especially there, and especially on Broken Dreams Club, but really all over Definitely on the last girls record and on Broken Dreams Club a little bit. I think you see that as much as this group is interested in like straight ahead songwriting that that is just a, more about it's it's more indebted to like doo-wop and and classic country and things that are not trendy 
as anything else there there's also like an experimentalism or like a desire to get into some kind of flirting with like psychedelia or like something that feels a bit otherworldly uh but that's that's like a use sparingly thing that they do and it really undergirds or it, it gives it gives something back to the simpler things they do and those two those two things that they are interested in achieving are like a big part of what makes them so compelling cuz they can do both just like the velvet underground can write after hours and and do you know uh, heroin or hey, hey mr, mr. rain, rain yeah. Yeah, it wasn't a pose with them, with girls. You know, it, it um, you know, when you say psychedelia and you're thinking like 2010s era, you know, the, like Tame Impala. Revivalist. Leaps to mind, right? Like Elephant or whatever. And like that always felt, you know, some of those are catchy songs, um, uh, but like that always felt like such a manicured and, and, and um, like self consciously uh, positioned, posed type of project. Um, and, uh, and this was just like, you know, it, it, it just, it came out of you like, like carbon dioxide out of your lungs. Like there's no other way to, to, to transmute that, to change it. Right. It's just, it's the product of fucking nature. Um, it's the difference between fashion and style and they have style. They have the style it takes, you could say. Yeah. Well, should we talk about the record? Uh, I guess we should, um, you know, might as well. starts with a stone cold goddamn classic the whole thing is stone cold goddamn classics as far as i'm concerned i I think i said this at one point i said it to chris actually when when i interviewed him earlier this year god i can't believe that was this year that was feels like a long time ago um hi chris if you're listening but i hope you're doing well chris uh, out there in new york i saw chris posted a video of him and and cass mccombs in new york city doing yo-yo tricks i i saw that too that was it seems like he's pretty good with the yo-yo both of them impressive i hope uh i hope everything's going well out there in the big apple uh hi from california um, I said to him when I interviewed him, like, you know, it, it's tough to play favorites with any of these records because yeah, they're all so brilliant and perfect in their own different ways. But like if, if I had a gun to my head and, and I had to just choose one, I think on any on on, you know, on the average day, I think Broken Dreams Club would be the one I would choose above the other two, even despite the fact that it is shorter and, and briefer. It just mm. Top to bottom, not a wasted second. And the oh so protective one is is the perfect way yeah, to start it off. I mean, just like you can you can hear it in the sound, the the quantum leap that they've taken from that first record to the to the second. As as brilliant, you know, as as album was, you know, Lust for Life and Hellhole Rat Race and Lauren Marie and just the whole thing is classic, but like they're playing a different ball game at this point. You know, it's it's 
what I love, what I love about a great record, I think, and this is a perfect example of one, is one that like tells a story. I, uh, and I was thinking about this too, uh, and not in like a tells a story, like a rock opera kind of way, right? Where it's like a literal, you know, uh, a narrative that you're telling. Although that can be fun, but like just from listening to the record, you 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 get this sense of who this band is and what they're going through and what's happening to them at this moment in time. And I feel like Broken Dreams Club like crystallizes that to a fucking T. Like you could just, you, you know what's happening. Like you could see it all coming together and just listening to the album, you know that like it, it's happening. The most striking thing is just how clear they are at articulating their ideas. It's so, there's no, there's not like a filter between you and the song. Like, and that was really common. And that was, I think, actually kind of desirable at this time. There was like the whole lo-fi, uh, vibe and movement sure. uh within trends and music and there's obviously something to be said for that uh when it's used in a, in a certain ways by certain people but this uh avoids that completely and it it gives you i think it really uh, a, a older school relationship to music is is presupposed or is like drawn upon and i think that for a lot of younger people who are listening to this at the time and me included and even now it feels like that is one of their best attributes is that they they trust you to be like it's like they just are giving you the straight thing without any kind of ironic millennial wink and nod and pa- retro packaging it's just it just is the thing. It's like when you go into somebody's house and it just hasn't changed since 1968 and they still live there and and you're just like suddenly in this room with all these things that they're still being used. All these things. <laughs> uh, well, all these old objects and, and Plates, ephemera. Forks, yeah, just old stuff blankets, that's, that's not, not being used as if it's like, cool that it's old it's just still being used because it it works yeah i mean it does and uh, you know you can the the song is a testament to itself to me it's so like thrilling to because i mean you know fucking 2010 2009 whatever like you know we're we're well into the 21st century like people can do whatever they want musically you know you can make crystal castles record and whatever do do you know the super hi-fi glossy shit just on a laptop in your bedroom and, and, and so you, you, you kind of take it for granted that records can sound good and professional and, and, you know, uh, complete and precise if they, if they want to. And, you know, it's a choice to, to react against that, like with the lo-fi movement, whatever. With this, it just, it, it feels like they are, to me, it's such an exciting sound because they really have just kind of like gone back to the beginning uh, in the beginning of of rock music in general, and are are kind of reliving, representing this journey of like you know starting out scrappy, scrawny with basic tunes, basic ideas on a tape machine, and then at a certain point they just kind of like become masters of their craft. 
and um, and and that's that's the story of this record, you know, in general. And the Oso Protective one is the perfect way to start that off because I mean, just with these horns and yeah, these it, like echoey little guitar, you know, strums and from the very the strings, beginning, the, it's like such a the organ swell, yeah, <laughs> kind of like. Un, it's unbelievable. It's it's you know what it is. It's the Beach Boys. I mean, like this is this is moving into like fucking Pet Sounds territory and just realizing like oh shit, these guys have been amazing all along. But I didn't even know the depths to which like what they actually really had within them. And now I'm realizing it. A little girl, they just don't know about the weight you carry in your soul. They just don't know about the fright. About the people and the things you like You know you've got nothing to prove The conversation's borderline on And by the time you've had enough How do you tell the one you love? You'll never know about the times that you cried in the moon Yeah, the pe- uh, Pet Sounds, the Beach Boys, I mean... I mean the Beatles, I do. Yeah, this is Rubber Soul or Revolver, absolutely. It is. It is like, they are in that way, like a, a group. Or, I mean, I also think about, you know, it's like when I when you listen to early uh, Velvet stuff or the Beatles, and it's like these immaculate little jewel box songs, and you hear about how people were scandalized by like the, the vulgarity of, of rock music at the time it's so confounding because it's like how like how are you listening to sunday morning and thinking like this is vulgar uh it it never got like imagine a time when that was considered vulgar you know that's unthinkable today and it was wrong then too like these, these things were always beautiful um and more than ever do they seem so because they are in the midst you know you look around everything else today nobody's even trying to do this Oof. yeah that's seems don't, like. don't, yeah that's making me sad just thinking about that um uh, songwriting also is just uh you know it, again there's there's this this just clear extraordinary step forward i think uh on on chris's part here where the first record is so much, you know, uh, uh, laser focused on himself and his personal relationships and how he feels about where he came from, the people around him and, and the world in general. Um, and you're still going to get that, you know, all over this record. Uh, all of a sudden, like this is like we've got a little like, short story here, yeah. you know, about the, the uh, you know, he'll never know about the times you cried in the movies, never know about the times that you cried in the music, about your mother or the father, or why you got your broken heart. And just the look will be the start. It's like, yeah, it's oh, so um, uh, vividly about somebody, somebody. Uh, it feels like it's very generous of spirit and that it. It feels like like Bell and Sebastian, you know. Yeah, having- feel, exactly. It feels real, but it doesn't feel like the way that like Laura is fucking real. Laura is about Laura Sutro, as he as he he talked about when uh, I, I talked to him. Like that is a real person whose picture is on the cover. Of that and like that is as real as real gets. And 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 you get that with the the so protective one as well. But it doesn't feel to me. It doesn't feel like it's it is like one specific individual in his actual life. Like this is a very well drawn three dimensional portrait of this person. But it is still to me. It seems like a character that he's like creating. And it's 
it's just a, a, another tool in the tool belt kind of it's, I don't know it's, it's an eternal motif I mean this character yeah. it feels like it could be about a, a girl in 1950 it could be and about it sounds like it could be yeah. <laughs> from 1950 it does feel like that but I think that's that's where I'm there is an awareness that those sounds it's not just cute to do them it, it's not just like stylish and cute to make a song that sounds that way there's something about the attitude of certain styles, certain approaches to music that existed in like the mid century that were that, that create a mood that they create something that you can't actually get any other way. And it's important to remember it's not like something that should be relegated to the the past like We've just decided to move on, and people just decided to add more. And and this is such an act of restraint on their part. Their whole shtick is an act of restraint to just be like, we know a good thing when we see it. We don't need to like gussy it up. And in fact, it's it's very dignifying as somebody who's going through it in a bad way, whatever way it is in 2010 or 2023 to hear a song that has that kind of frankly like majesty of the old style applied to it today like why don't you get that anymore absolutely yeah i mean it sounded you know uh old-fashioned you know uh, consciously retro in 2010 today in 2023 it sounds cutting edge it sounds like like a fresh air yeah exactly compared to anything that's coming out you know today or over the last 13 years at this point you know this this kind of thing could very easily tip over into like rockabilly territory you know um, the, the way that these people are, you know, uh, fast, not, not Chris and JR, obviously, but, you know, uh, this, this kind of approach towards, you know, very classical pop rock or, you know, early rock and roll, uh, as we come back to songwriting, um, you know, that, that, that can be fetishized right. and, and, um, and used just as like a stylistic, you know, kind of, uh, modifier really. as a bubble, like as like a sort of just zone to inhabit, like yeah. a theme park. Yeah. Exactly, like a theme park. Exactly, and that is, and 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 the magic trick here is that that like that is just not at all what is it. It just feels like you. It, it feels like you're right back there when all this shit was being created, and yet at the same time, it feels like you're in 2010. Yeah, like it it, it it's like a, a an incredible kind of like line that they can walk where, like it 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 it, it doesn't feel retro at all, and yet it is absolutely just in tune with the sound and feeling and flavor of everything that came before, like, you know, literally the, the giants that walked the earth before any of us were fucking born. It has to do with age. I mean, it really does have to do with generational, uh, dynamics. Like I do think about that a lot, you know, you and I are like so informed. I think our, our childhood and our initial experiences with music. Are we so informed? No, no, we were so, I mean, we were so informed by, um, (laughs) we were so Nickelodeon. Well, we, yeah, but like, sure, <laughs> things like that, like Nickelodeon, whatever, like all that 90s stuff, that was stuff made by people whose formative experiences was stuff from the early 60s mm. uh, it, or whatever. You know, like you, you always have to think about who created the things that you grew up on and what they were, what were their early things. Like that, 
that is how things work, I think. Like, it's like kids are influenced by something and they grow up and make something. If they make something that appeals to kids, it'll kind of have something to do with what initially spoke to them. It's like a big game of telephone. And so Chris and JR being older than us, there there was a, sh- a shot and like a real a real thing of them having influences that that were directly firsthand sources from a time that we would only have gotten secondhand. Um, and it's not like they're ancient relic people. <laughs> like it's not like a yeah. an ancient society. But like I think that those things happen in a deeper way than where people tend to give credit and they don't always manifest so clearly. Um, yeah. If that makes I mean, they any were, sense. I mean, I think so. I, they, they were only like 10 years older than us. I know, but that, that can born. make all the difference. Like these, it really can make a big difference. Like the way things change. So what you get exposed to it's, it's luck, but it, it's, um, it's a real thing. Like today, I think kids watch fucking endless videos of CGI Spider-Man falling into an abyss. That's what they watch. Like, yeah, you know, I, 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 I know that is the case. I, I don't know how much better having watched like Rugrats really was for us. <laughs> if that like made a fundamental difference in like the quality of human beings that we are here at this late date. Well, when you apply um, it to music, that 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 kind of thing does happen, and it does oh, have a difference. I think that they just were very in tune with with what had come before and very respectful of it. Honestly, not to toot our own horn here by any means, but I feel like they they had the mindset, you know, like they they just like a, a, a lot of folks are um, uh, interested in in breaking with the past and and reacting against it and throwing all that garbage away. And that can be a really great you know motivator and and driver behind artistic movements to see whole you know, fucking punk rock, you know, in general. Um, but, um, but I think these two, whether or not they, you know, grew up listening to, uh, George Jones or whatever, um, were, were, were aware of that kind of thing and, 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 and in tune with the way that it spoke to them and could speak to other people and, you know, just put across through their own unique filter. That's what I love so much about this music is, is that it is so in tune with and respectful of what came before, what came initially, like the, the foundational germinal fucking protozoa in the swamp of rock and roll um and at the same time has this absolutely like crystal clear present day 21st century just truth-telling you know fire-breathing approach i think about like the lemon twigs our pals who sure yeah they live they, very and much breathe so. that music and like there's so many other uh groups who i think that critics sometimes have no idea what they're talking about when they They'll they'll mention the, the lemon twigs alongside some group who's just like total pastiche fakers, and like I don't think Michael and Brian could make a song that was inauthentic if they tried. Like it's sure that's the only they just know it, so like that's just it. Um, and you get that same feeling here. Uh, yeah, it's you know it's a little bit like the porn thing. You know, I can't define <laughs> it, but I know it when I see it. <laughs> like you know, I I know it when I see it, and it's in girls, and it's absolutely in the twigs, and you know, God willing, it'll be in another band that uh, comes along at some point. But uh, it's it's exceedingly rare and growing rarer, I would say, at a rapidly reducing rate. Not if we have anything to say about it. 
Well, we have plenty to say about it. I mean, but not I if we can do that's gonna do. We're gonna. Well, we're we're changing the world with our podcast. Yeah. Well, you, know? you got to get back on the Dub Thompson horse. That's a that's that's your your uh, your mantle to, to yeah, carry. Yeah. That that band only ever sounded like Matt and I in, in, when we were nineteen. Um, <laughs> Heartbreaker. Perfect song. Yeah. <laughs> if there's got like honestly, I, if there if there is a perfect song in the girls' discography, I feel like Heart, Heartbreaker is the perfect song. I mean, the what baseline? Else you, come on, yes, and and just the way that it 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 picks up and and brings you in, and then just. Boom! That drum beat hits, and and you are off when to the races here. Yeah, come on. I mean, what's so amazing about this is, and I was I was talking or I was saying earlier, you know, like so much of what came out of the first record, so much of what was in the first record, what the first record was made of, were these songs. Laura, Lauren Marie, another real person in Chris's life, you know, that was that was just an individual, that it was him and her, and, and he wrote this song about her. Candy and he spoke said. to so many people. Candy said, sure, exactly. Um, Heartbreaker clearly feels like it comes from that same kind of thing. Like, I, I would bet dollars to donuts that this this idea, this lyric, this song came out of one particular instance yeah. in his life and yet in this particular case in heartbreaker it is completely universalized it is it is about the heartbreaker and it's you and it's me i knew it from the very start when i said that i loved you honey i knew that you would break my heart that is something that every fucking human being on this planet can relate to you know hopefully if you're not in you know incel or whatever but yeah. it um it just it it is it is as universal as music gets and that is always a beautiful brilliant quality you know something that that can speak to you this is a, a very nashville skyline kind of thing to me yeah there. but it's it's only to me i only get really the full effect of that when i already believe something about an artist's sincerity and in the case of this group and and the, especially like your to your point the earlier record it seems like like auto fiction it's like it barely like barely even changing the real names like not even not it's, changing the real names <laughs> those are songs about people and so like when you hear i there's just yeah there's no way that when you listen to these it it feel it never feels like he's writing oh that sounds like it would be a love song like that sounds like something that could go in a love song like that type of thinking which is the most common type of rock, of of thinking in in popular music you know that's oh that sounds like it would be the type of thing to be in this type of song it just never feels like that's the case it it always feels like this song had to happen because he felt that thing and had to say it and mm. that is really like something i can't shake whenever whenever i hear his voice in these songs and the music supports it but it it always is guided by this feeling of utter just straight sincerity that never feels like arbitrary. It's like, this was the song because this was the feeling simple. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Absolutely, and and everything is just in its right place. Like you get to that moment, two, three, and like two minutes, two and a half minutes, 2.45 in when the guitar solo hits and Chris is just like, oh. literate just like exactly where it has to be exactly as long as it needs to be kind of solo and then we just get right back to the chorus and it's in fact it's just like um <sighs> this episode of jokerman podcast is presented by distro kid over a million artists rely on DistroKid to distribute their music and get it into all of the places it needs to go. Your Spotify's, your Apple Music's, your YouTube's, your TikTok's, your titles, your Instagram's, and any other streaming service of note. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keeping 100%, that's right, 100, all of them, folks, of their royalties and earnings. DistroKid comes with tons of great features, including Mixia, which allows DistroKid users to put the finishing touches on their tracks in just minutes, getting a customizable and polished end result that anyone can feel confident in before sharing it with the world. The DistroKid app is available now on iOS and Android. So go to the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store to download it today. This is this is at the same time to you know to go back to the Velvets thing. I think there is very much an element of like so much of what made the Velvets the Velvets is that Lou Reed was just a like a, a, a crackerjack songwriter. <laughs> exactly, a guy who literally like it was his job. Like the way that someone will work in a kitchen and be really fucking good at you know uh, you know Cooking. making a pizza <laughs> or whatever. It, yeah, it, it's a, it's a vocational kind of thing, and and you get that. You get that 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 skill by just doing the thing again and again and again and again and again and and um and so you know that's what makes Lou so brilliant is that he was he was just approaching it as just like a fucking Fordist you know man on an assembly line kind of guy at the beginning and yet had that whole deep well of Lou Reed you know fucking Lou Reed behind him uh, and that's the perfect you know magic moment of synthesis. And Chris, Chris is the same is the same kind of thing. You know, he, he's spoken before. I don't have anything to quote specific, but he's talked before. I know about how he just wrote dozens and dozens and dozens of songs, um, and so many of these girls' songs he had written, you know, months and years even before these records came out. And he just he sat down with Jr. and they kind of looked at them together and figured out, you know, this one makes sense, this one makes sense, this one makes sense, and let's see what we can get out of them. I really feel like it just, it was, it was the, you know, the, to quote something super trite, but still that has a nut of truth to it, the 10,000 hours kind of thing. Like he just, he'd put in his time and he was a fucking songwriter and, and there was something within him that made him predisposed to just be one of the brilliant generational defining talents at that. And, uh, and at the same time, he was also just like, a machine about it you know is able to just do but it he, like a job it's about doing i mean that whatever that fucking ten thousand hours is that malcolm gladwell i think so yeah that hack, jack off obviously whatever. <laughs> but uh 
what he's trying to say, if what what our friend Malcolm Gladwell is trying to say <laughs> with his like million billion seller book is uh, that you just have to continually put yourself in the situation where you have the things in front of you to make something, and that is what happened with the span. And then the the beautiful stroke of luck was that Jr was there like just like yeah. literally in the other room was like somebody listening who to was, him through his wall exactly who who was just like their sort of musical vocation their their artistic place in life was being somebody who was maybe not writing the lyrics as much as putting them in the right place like giving them the right kind of housing like staging and uh dressing and highlighting all, all of that stuff <laughs> ranch dressing Ran- uh, like <laughs> i mean like set dressing i get it <laughs> uh yeah it's like somebody who's like an artful uh producer i mean to call him a producer it's, he's really an artist in his own right so like uh that is what I, makes the the music so vibrant yeah, I mean, honestly, I, you know, to, to go back to another hobby horse of ours, you know, one that we've just completed uh, over the summer, there's a little bit of a Don and Walt syndrome here, right? Where, where Don is the vocalist and seems to clearly be like the driving force behind the literally the words you're hearing, right? The words on the page. And yet you got to have Walt there to, to edit and help him kind of uh, 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 bring these ideas to full fruition and obviously let them flower yeah, uh, it's like Bob Dylan studio. and Jack Frost. You know that that creative, <laughs> that, that same kind of that relationship, exact exactly. creative synthesis of those two men and how they work together. Um, you see pictures of them together. You know, like uh-huh. you see all this that footage of them where they're like, you know, kind of uh, they, they're Hanging staring at each other, sort of like in a challenging but sort of loving way, and you know that they're in the midst of making great music. <laughs> Jack and Bob. Jack and Bob, Don and Walt, Chris and Chris and Chad, uh, Abbott and Costello, Ian and Evan. Right, that's that's exactly <laughs> or Evan right. and Ian. <laughs> uh, um, what, Heartbreakers, just you know, yeah, just listen. It's to a perfect it. song. It's like uh, I, I don't know. Just listen to it. We'll put a clip in here. Come on. <laughs> Broken Dreams Club. Oh. Okay. Like, yeah, easy. Whatever. Another mm. great one. This is what I'm talking about. Like, with the, the, the storytelling kind of aspect here is like, you know, you listen to these first three, three songs. We're just into the third song here. Three. That's it. And that is half the, you know, the, the, the record since it's only six songs. But three. Not that many. Uh, and, and you've been so many different places just within this 10, 15 minute kind of run. And then Broken Dreams really just comes home and, and, and drives a stake through your heart. 
yeah. from the the way that that <laughs> just because you're a vampire. <laughs> just, you know, just it kills it kills me. I don't Breaks. know what to say. It's uh, like because you're a vampire. Because yes. it, cu- yeah, it, I know what you mean. Just it, listen, um, like I mean, the 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 music that is being made here, those horns right at the very beginning. <laughs> I don't, I don't it's know. the lyrics too, I mean, and then it's the lyrics exactly. On top of that, you have this this the story music being and told. the lyrics. Oh, <laughs> oh and those com- come together. I, yeah. Well, uh, something that occurs to me is just that usually when a song is like this, and a lot of their songs are like this, but this kind of like really melancholic, sad, yearning type of song. Uh, Pretty often, like the, it's it's just something that's like a guitar and a one guy and a guitar, or or one girl or whatever the case may be, and it's like recommended to you by the saddest person you know, and you're kind of like, <laughs> oh yeah, it's really good, and then you listen to it and it's just like, oh god, like you you want to like remind them about the hotline number, <laughs> but like this is, it's such a rare thing that like that kind of poignancy is backed up by music that feels like strong, sturdy, dirt. Like it's not going to break under the absolutely weight it's of, made by someone who believes. Yeah. And it, and that is just something about the band that like what makes it work is that they can go really far into that kind of melancholic sadness and it never feels overwhelming because the fact that the music is executed and sounds the way it does seems in some way to support the most hopeful pipe dream conclusion of each song. Like the thing that every song seems to hope exists, that there's some kind of like order and justice and mercy in the world. Like the fact that the music can sound this good actually kind of props that up so the song can be as sad as it wants and it doesn't really feel like a true downer to listen to whereas you hear somebody playing a broken ass broken hearted song on a broken sounding lonely guitar and there's nothing to tell you that like they're not right about how fucked up everything is but because it sounds so good it's like you have it gives you some kind of a ground under you when when you're listening to it totally absolutely i mean you 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 can tell listening to this song that this guy whoever these words are coming from wherever this this feeling this idea is coming from he has lived this like this is his fucking life and it is here before you naked on the stage take it you know take it or leave it and and yet and you're totally right the music, the feel, the way that it's put across, the the fully realized, extraordinary canvas that you end up getting here, with the horns and the organ and and the pedal steel and the guitar solos, it's like he he's 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 gone through this and he's come out the other side and he's stronger and he's able to speak with authority about this experience 
and um, you know knows this is as sincere and authentic as you're gonna fucking get. And but he's okay, you know. Uh, uh, like well, he's, I, he's he's, sort he's of. <laughs> I, well, that's the thing. It's like at this point, he is okay. Like this is he's gotten through it. This is here. This is this is happening. He has gone. He's gone through some tough well, times. But and, yes, but but there's it's because there's someone else that that's different. Like if it was just him. It would feel like that. Well, but, but that's I, exactly the thing is like that, 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 that collaboration, that, that magic fucking relationship between him and Chet, that was there. They had, they found it. They fat like the uh, one in a million kind of thing. Just the two guys between a wall in an apartment by the panhandle in San Francisco. It's just like that, that was, it, it happened. I just want to get high. does is that it, it like when i think about what that means for like how i feel about the music though is it it feels like somebody supporting some someone to be able to sing that like it feels like he's not just producing it like this will sound good it feels like he's holding it his hand sure like yeah. it feels like really emotionally like there is an emotional bond and partnership that is making this vulnerability feel safe to exist. And I think that when people hear that, like that's what spoke to people about this band and still does is that because of whatever strength they had as a partnership, things were able to be recorded that were more earnest and straightforward than almost anybody ever gets to. You don't usually get to hear that. Absolutely. It's just, doesn't usually happen because yeah. somebody's even if you come into the studio alone and you're like you don't feel like going full out it's like what happened to smiley smile versus smile <laughs> like you know the the totally compromised sarcastic version of the of the original vision that that only exists because nobody was there to hold his hand and tell him he can do whatever he wants i mean you you look at the the words on the page and you know uh, I know you feel like I do too, even though I'm close to you. I can't be what you need. You're just as lost to me, lost as me. You read those words and you just expect this to be, you know, the saddest sounding song <laughs> that you've ever heard. Just some sad bastard and his acoustic guitar singing into a microphone. Um, and and that's not at all what it is. It's this beautiful, lush, vivid, textured, emotional, deep fucking song and and just the way that it sounds that to go again back to it though what i was saying at the beginning like tells a story this record uh just the way that this song sounds tells that story like like he is he chris has gotten through this he he wrote this song at that moment when he could have just been a sad bastard him and his guitar singing into a mic and got through it and found chet and this magic happened and they put out the first record and then they got to the second one and it's this now 
extraordinary once in a lifetime fully realized vision that communicates to every fucking person on the planet anyone who hears it and and this was the happy ending i think uh as as sad as so many of these songs are um as sad as so many of the girls songs you know from all the records are um that that's what made it so fun and exciting and real to listen to is like they they nailed it they got there you could when you saw them live in concert when i saw them live in concert when they were fucking up there with the mics and they had the the roses on the mic stands and thousands of clapping cheering kids at their feet it was like a moment of that's what you want out of rock and roll i don't know it's it's I, to this day, I think I, I I haven't been to concerts that are as fondly remembered, as memorable, as as thrilling, as emotionally, whatever, draining, transcendent, satisfying as as the girls' shows were those couple of years. Probably the Jonathan Richmond shows for me were like the first time I saw him. I was I think I probably felt something like that because mm. that and that makes sense because I. I think everything we've said about like their it's like you know you talk about like sincerity versus like irony and that's that constant and never ending conversation it only really feels sincere when you just don't even that shit doesn't even come to mind yeah like absolutely it just when you don't have a take on like is this sincerity core is it like or not it's and like, you don't need to be embarrassed about like uh, i'm singing along the lyrics is anyone going to see me sing or hear me singing no, poorly no. along you just do it because like you love these songs and you know these songs and they're singing them and everyone else is singing and you just you're fucking oh man i don't know yeah it's that's like, what it's like seeing jonathan richmond it's like seeing like a room full of people who uh, haven't smiled all all week uh for the first time just it's like 39 year old be, being like a kid at Sesame Street on this um it's like it's it is there's almost like a I, I think about this with my dog sometimes like what the difference between human and dog right is that like we both we both have an input like an impulse and then we react according to that impulse right uh, and the difference between the human the and the animal is that, like, there's a there's an extra layer that tells us, like, should I react this way to this impulse, or should I not react this way? What what will be the consequences of me reacting this way to this impulse? Versus my dog does not have that layer. We, I, I feel like a dog when I'm listening to the girls. Like, I just I get <laughs> I get the impulse and <laughs> like I react, <laughs> and I <laughs> I can't help it, and I wouldn't want to help it. And yeah, I think Jonathan Richmond absolutely <laughs> elicits the same thing out of these sad bastard 39 year olds. Um, who are or 28 uh, year olds? Oh, well, you know, be. anybody almost 29. Yeah, I'm almost 29. Couple months. Uh, all right. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Groovy tune. It's groovy. And I, I kind of didn't even. It's funny. Like I, I, I think this one kind of floated over me just because I didn't really like, think so much about the lyrics. But looking at them, they they play ball with the rest of the lyrics here. They're just as 
it's a song about you know being like um given the old runaround by somebody who's indecisive sure. and uh all this back and forth driving me completely yeah. insane you're the love of my life but yeah yeah uh, i think uh i think all right to me is uh it serves a purpose. It is, uh, it, it is, if there's a moment that you, if there's a bathroom break moment on the record, it's all right. But it, it needs to be there, I think, because. Yeah, it's just a detour. Those, yeah, I mean, those, those first, and it's a three, or excuse me, six song record, three songs each side, you flip the side, this is the first song, second, uh, first track side two. You know, you, you need a moment to digest. This is what makes it an, uh, a, an album yes, rather than an EP. absolutely. An, an EP doesn't have, can't afford to have a song like this. Like, there. I don't think there's any, uh, an EP is a collection of singles or, or would-be singles. But all right, like, I think an album is one that doesn't have to have, it, 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 it has some room, some air, like. This is that. Catch your breath. Absolutely. Um, it's as, as short an album as you can get, but while still being like fully an album because it has some like, yeah, it's room to breathe. It's yeah, it's not- kind of boiled down to the absolute like like most uh, sensational, you know, uh, most concentrated kind of taste that that you can. It's when they tell you to. Uh, I just did this the other night. I made a I made a curry and I was it was a supposed curry. to it was supposed to boil for you know or simmer rather for uh, fifteen twenty minutes and I let it simmer for fifteen twenty minutes and I had the I had the heat a little too high so I boiled oh, away you- too much of the coconut milk but it was a very intense kind of flavor high concentration exactly yeah that's that's what Broken Dreams Club is it's it's the, it's all that coconut milk has been boiled away. You put the you put the burner up to medium high instead of medium, <laughs> but and it's still a curry. And it's still, still exactly. Technically, it's not a sauce. Like that that is the difference. And I think like an EP almost has like the the air of like this is a promotional thing for for industry people almost, or like we're gonna give you this because it's like a sample platter. Whereas an album is anything that knows you're listening to it and wants you to have like an experience. Mm-hmm of listening to it with a bit of with some flow and they're going to put in something that in, that encourages like uh, a sort of undulation where sure. it's like an EP I think is just like here's our here's some other song that's right yeah I mean think just keep it's always important to keep in mind like the LP EP the number of songs whatever you call it like those are just like manufactured fucking uh 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 like relics based on literally yes. like the physical like uh uh dimensions of a 12 inch vinyl LP played at 33 and a third rotations per minute um you know there's nothing <laughs> there's nothing natural or holy about any of this shit this isn't the 10 commandments at Mount Sinai um uh, and you know the fact that this has been the medium, the the mediums that we have listened to and subscribed to for all of our fucking lives that has given it this sense of the holy. But there's nothing that says that this, you know, such and such a thing has to be this or that. And um, and that's why I think that, you know, the, the EP label just does a disservice to what's what's going on here because it's very much not just like a couple songs that they added on to a record. We couldn't spend an hour already having talked about just four songs um, on an EP. Uh, you can only do that on something where there's actual meat on the fucking bone. Uh, and uh, Lord knows there is here. A lot of meat on the next song's bone. Mm. Substance is one of my favorite songs by girls. I always yeah. thought it was like one of the best. Um, it's... Uh, up there with heroin in terms of songs yes. about 
that might thing, in fact be <laughs> be about an it's very possibly about but it's a, it's it's also great in that it doesn't matter that's not right. really what it, the song's about the song just like heroin is not a song about heroin is that substance is not a song about the substance it's about wanting to feel loved and and safe and like things are happening in a positive direction it it has nothing really to do with wanting drugs it has everything to do with he doesn't want drugs that's the whole thing he doesn't want yeah, drugs I mean, this is an anti line. this is a dare ass fucking don't do drugs kind of song here doesn't have to be this way i know something to take the corners off and help you rock and roll right down the road and if you want to shape your brain i know a substance that gets rid of everything and helps you rock and roll think that it it's an acknowledgement of the the fact that there's something that comes close sometimes it cl- comes close enough to fake it but um the last line obviously but if i had love i'd throw it all away is um it's just a, a great it's the perfect way to end the song it it tells you that everything up to this point and it dignifies the narrator in this way that they know that it, they're putting a band-aid on the, on it. They know that it's not a fix, uh, no pun intended, that it's like just a, 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 a respite. It's not the real deal. Like you can't fake, uh, to quote William Burroughs, can't fake blank as any more than you could fake a good meal who wants something real when you could have nothing why not just give up who wants to try let go of the wheel turn your ass over come on take it it's a simple life it's such a sounds good it's i mean it's a it's a perfect (laughs) and again here here again we're telling the story you know, you, the, this person, whoever's singing this, has been through this, has felt these things, and, and can speak from a place of real reality, authority. Like, I was in these fucking shoes. These are my own shoes. And, and it just, it's a heartbreaker of a song, uh, you know. Um, and listening to it again, the same way that Broken Dreams Club was, the fact that the song exists and sounds the way that it does cures you of that broken heart it cures me of that broken heart like it it, it is so fully realized and brilliant and 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 um uh three-dimensional that you know that whoever wrote these words whoever went through this fucking nightmare they came out of the other side they came out okay they, you know they're, they're still here to 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 testify to it you know to, to tell us about yeah. it you know firsthand and it's i mean that's 
that's what's amazing about this and 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 very much the same way that heroin is you know yeah it's it's really like heroin i mean it is like that song in that it's those those songs are about why it's good i mean why it feels good but everything around that is so you know that it's because it's of how ungood other things are that like it there's this contrast built into it um and it's a very i think that whenever you make a song about something like this you are potentially dignifying anyone who's ever experienced that sure with absolutely with your acknowledgement of it and that's why there's so many bad songs that that don't go far enough they don't really give enough angles on something to offer any sort of true sense of uh, a, a a dignifying experience a catharsis of listening to it so many songs just give you like a fucking word here or there about like this or that being like oh so sad but the only songs that really matter are ones that acknowledge there's stakes to to feeling good and to feeling bad and there's reasons for both and this is as good at that as any other song. Yeah, I mean, it's very, it's, very, it's very hard to make a rock song about how drugs are not the answer. And, and in fact, you don't want to do them, and it's not going to get you where you need to go. And, uh, you know, you just, to, to be a human being, you need uh, something else. Uh, it's, that's not a very, uh, you know, rock-centric kind of message. Uh, you know, the, the genre is not catered to that kind of idea. Um, it's very easy to... <laughs> Imagine this kind of thing coming off as hectoring and annoying and PC and just, you know, bullshitty, whatever. And, and uh, I mean, that's what still amazes me about this song is, is the extent to which it does not come off that way. The way that he's able to, like, like walk that line between, because like, he's not casting aspersions on anyone, right? It doesn't have to be this, this way. I know of something to take the corners off and help you rock and roll right down the road. Like, he knows this does a pretty good job, whatever this yeah. is, whatever this substance is, does a pretty good job of like helping you out and like you know papering over, you know, putting a fucking band aid on yeah, top of this. Yeah, don't think about all the evils in this town. Or yeah, everybody putting everybody else down. That's right. And I wish I was on a great big clipper ship. Um, yeah, that line, the clipper ship. Yeah, <laughs> dressed up like a little sailor boy, Lou Reed in his little sailor outfit. <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that. I've been thinking a lot about that line. I mean that the thing in heroin about the clipper ship and like. Sailing from this, land. I wish I was born a thousand years ago. A thousand ago. years like, ago, that's right. I, I think there's something, that's one of his best things ever. It's just like... Yeah, heroin, pretty good song. <laughs> yeah, but it's it, it, it gets at this thing of like wanting to... <laughs> supposed to be a Velvet Underground Lou Reed podcast. Heroin well, is pretty good. <laughs> I think that's the first rule of being one, is you gotta say why it's, that song's good. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, um, I mean, I don't want to beat a dead horse no pun intended uh uh but uh no this this song is a love song it's not a drug song yeah yes very well said that's uh that's absolutely it um this one again extraordinarily realized sound wise oh yeah it's just such a good just tuneful uh feels like a whole fucking Story. Guitar solo, come on. That again. Yeah. That's the story of the band. Like like what I what 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 it was so great to talk to Chris about, you know, in the uh the, the interview that I did with him 
earlier this year was him just like letting loose and talking about how much he loved just like making music with all these people in his life and, and just the way that like, his eyes lit up when he talked Guitar about... Guitar solo, come on. Yeah, just, you know, when when uh, John Anderson would come in or when, when Matt Kalman would come in and just all of these... Just that completed him. He's such a, he's such a, uh, 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 warm, connective human being. And, and that line right there in the song is like, that's, that's real, man. That is it. Guitar solo, come on. It does. It does feel like like breaking into song, the like, like yeah. a character breaking into song. Absolutely, and like a character you wouldn't necessarily think to break into song. Who's doing it? And then it's like you hear their whole song. And it's like it's like the band, like the whole orchestra comes in. It's insane, yeah. And then Dee Dee comes in, you know, from Dum Dum Girls at the end. I take the key in my hand and it opens up the day. I take the key in my hand and it takes the pain away. God damn, man. And uh, closing up this six-track record with Oof. Carolina, which is, you know, I, what, I guess what I was referring to earlier, you know, like that sort of flirting with a, a sort of psychedelia or sense of uh, not experimentalism, but uh, lo- just a looser, like bigger, more billowy, more... Uh, porous type of music making like they can do that super tight traditional songwriting songcraft but um they also really can do what's best about indie rock which is you know allowing for space and and in, in noticing when there's moments that should be extended longer than they ever would in, in regular rock you know that i think that's what differentiates indie rock from so much other stuff it's like people love it for the way that so many bands in that era like i really think it comes down to when they knew they like we want to hear more of this one thing from rock music like we want to hear more of that one thing like let's just why not and so this song does that you know like it it lets you just kind of zone out like in a way that a tighter song wouldn't. I'm sorry. I just I'm listening to it. It's it's getting me worked up just here. It's see, I was being music critic guy over here, but uh, no, I mean the experience you're not wrong of, about any of, that. of listening to it is uh, that's where all all of the, the music critic uh, bullshit like uh, falls away because it actually it's better just to listen to it than to talk about it. I, I heard this song live for the first, I heard this song live before I, I, I heard it on the record and, and I think they played it it might have been the last song in the encore might have been the last set before last song of the song last song of the set before the encore it was towards the end and um and it just it fucking blew me away man like it was 
it was it was so far beyond everything that I I, I was just deep deep in the deepest love of this band and you know, I, I it's the most uh, you know soulmate kind of heart to heart twin flame whatever fucking corny language you want to use for it like it was me and girls and it was gonna be like that throughout life and um and as much as all of the shit from album had imprinted on me and that year you know 2009 2010 was like probably the formative year of my whole life if there's gotta be one just this song just came out of the blue and it just fucking blew me away it's like astral and weeks for you yeah i mean you know or 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 you know i i don't even remember what the first when the first time i heard like a rolling stone was but i would imagine that it was similar to that just like holy shit there's there's a whole other fucking thing behind the thing here, and mm-hmm. I never even thought about it, never even fathomed it, and look at how far it goes, how big it goes, how deep it goes, and yeah, it yeah. you know, and and then the record came out a couple, I think like a month later or something, uh, a few weeks later, whatever, and and here it was at the end of the EP, at the end of the record, and sums the whole thing up, summed the whole thing up, summed their whole journey up until this point up, and it's all, it's all there. That is what separates rock music, whatever, from you know the the past when it when you could make the argument that it's like sort of teeny bop or small time stuff. You'd be you'd have been wrong then, but there is a, a point when that music is given more respect, a deeper investment, and actually does go like out into the outer reaches and what girls represents like uh, to me anyway is is this super rare thing of a band that knows why like the the early simple straightforward music is so crucial and then also understands that it can it, it can and it deserves to have a visible contact to like the spirit version of it like this sort of uh different this uh, the otherworldly space that that music implies and they show that they know their that relationship is there by like just at the end it's like they close their eyes and play this song it's got to be the end you know this is it this is the curtain call this is the the wrap up the show's over folks go home you could put 12 songs on this record. You could put 20 songs on this record and Carolina has to be the last song. Like this is, it's the apotheosis of girls. Uh, and if there's gotta be one song, like this to me is the whole fucking history of rock music. Like it is rock and roll and it's rock music and it's all there in one eight minute teenage symphony to God. I went back and listened yeah. to our original episode, uh, you know, a little bit of it. We talked <laughs> about the Beach Boys then too. We, yeah, we talked about, te- you know, teenage symphonies to God in, in the first episode uh, and how that was the way that Brian r- described his music and, and that it applied equally well to girls. Um, 
Carolina is yeah. the, you know, that is it. Totally, it is, it is totally. the whole thing. Um, you know, and, and I think to me, like what really did it listening back to it this time, you know, it's always just had this effervescent, um, uh, unknown quality to it. And it still does to this day, but, but you know, the most recent couple listens for me have been when Chris comes in with the do run run uh-huh. at the very, very, yeah. the yeah. do run yeah. run, the, yeah. like the, 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 the journey that you're taking on across this whole record 30 minutes, six songs, just so many different styles and feelings and, and, and themes and sounds and instruments or whatever. And then at the very end, it just comes back to do run, 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 the do run, run. like the, the, the thing there at the very beginning of fucking all of it, like the, 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 the seed from which it all grew, do run, run. It never, it never, that was it. It never got bigger than that. It never got better than that. It never got more important than that. That has been there from the beginning. It's here years, down, half a century down the line. It'll be here another 200 years down the line. Do Run Run will always be yeah. the spirit, the, the, the guiding ethos of rock and roll to me. <laughs> Louie Louie, whatever. Like, it's, yeah. that's, that's it. That's what it's all about. And, and, and the journey that this song takes you on from that atmospheric, psychedelic kind of intro, those huge clanging church bells that bring you into the actual song proper, which he said in, in our interview was just like him kind of plucking little teeny tiny bells that they slowed down, which is a really fun little nugget. And then this, I'm going to pick you up, baby, throw you over my shoulder, take you away. I'm going to carry you home to Carolina. If that doesn't hit you, man, I don't know what to say, but it just do run, run. Yeah. Do, do run, run. 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 It, it's, it's the thing that separates rock music from anything else is that it's a music that has nonsense in it. And you can decide that that nonsense is just vulgar and stupid that it's just for teeny bopper music or it can mean it, the fucking world or it can mean you. everything it can be <laughs> exactly. it can be speaking in tongues it can be the closest thing to 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 speaking like an angel you know it's i'm hearing the voice of god when i hear yeah. the words do run run <laughs> 